Additional support for today's Heat Treat Radio episode is provided by Integrated Heat Treating Solutions, bringing heat treating into the 21st century. If your heat treating parts the way you've done it for 20 years or more, it's time to upgrade. Visit www.integratedheattreatingsolutions.com and bring your heat treating into the 21st century. www.integratedheattreatingsolutions.com Welcome to Heat Treat Radio. I'm your host, Doug Glenn, publisher of Heat Treat Today. This episode is the second in four conversations with Joe Powell of Integrated Heat Treating Solutions on quench-to-fit technologies. The gear literally was cut in the five-axis CNC machine in such a way that the gear teeth came out that they didn't need any grinding, and they quenched to fit. And they estimated about $750 per gear in grinding costs that they were avoiding. Let's go ahead and jump right into the interview to hear more. Here with Joe Powell again from Akron Steel Treating and Integrated Heat Treating Solutions. And uh, we wanted to just to review a bit of what we talked about last time in our, in our first uh, podcast. So I think uh, probably the best way to summarize it, Joe, is basically just to say that we're, we're trying to bring, we're trying to get heat treaters to think about heat treating uh, differently not heat treating in the 20th century or even the 19th century, but in the 21st century. What do you, what do you say to that? Yes, we're trying to integrate uh, heat treating solutions into the part making process and take advantage of all of the sensor technologies, all of the manufacturing technologies, um, all of the other advantages that happened in metallurgy in the last half of the 20th century in terms of atmosphere control, temperature control, vacuum furnaces, all of the things um, that came about in the last half of the 20th century and kind of integrate them with the part design. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, you, you, had, we, you and I had been talking here before we hit the record button, by the way, about uh, this statement that was said by one of our mutual friends, and I'll let you mention his name if you think he's comfortable with that, but the statement was this, every metallurgist knows the faster the, quenching, the quench cooling rate, the higher the probability of cracking a, heart, a hot part. What, what do you say to that? Well, it was Professor Jack Wallace... Um, who was head of the metallurgy department in 1997 when he heard about intensive water quenching and said it would absolutely not work. Uh And he was so sure of it that um, he basically blurted it out like, it'll never work. The parts will blow up in the quench. And if anybody knows Jack, uh, they know that's exactly how he would say it. (laughs) And the other people, the other people in the conference room kind of looked at each other and, there was Wayne Samuelson from Shore Metal Treating, myself representing Akron Steel Treating, and John Vanis representing Euclid Heat Treating that had just heard this statement from Jack. And um, basically, the other, the other two heat treaters in the room heard Jack say this and thought, well, got to be right, you know, majority rules. And I, and I said to myself, well, I don't know who Jack Wallace is because I didn't at the time. And um, 
I do know Michael Aronoff, and he's introducing this water quenching technology that was discovered by uh, Dr. Nikolai Kabasko back in the former Soviet Union. And, you know, I'm willing to give it a try. All he wants me to do is heat up some parts um, made by Timken Bering and and quench them in a water bath. And, you know, they're made out of 52-100, and I know 52-100, you know, blows up when you look at it sideways when you quench it because it's a deep hardening steel. But if Michael says you can do it, you know, the worst that can happen is it's going to blow up, in which case, you know, everybody will be wearing a face shield when it goes in the water. And... The best thing that could happen is it doesn't blow up, and we'll learn something. So um, about six months later, this prototype tank shows up at Akron Steel Treating and some rings, tapered bearing rings, about 10 inches in diameter. And we basically, um, we basically said to ourselves, hey, um, you know, heat them up and let's see what happens. And we did. And, you know, they came out of the water about 20 seconds after going in. They flash dried as the, the uh, core heat tempered the uh, martensite we had just formed on the shell. And they didn't crack. They didn't crack. And then we did a whole bunch more of them. And uh, Jack Wallace was present for that demonstration. And he just looked at it and said, we got to figure out how this works. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that was it. What the heck it. happened here, in, right? That, that, yeah, that was in 1998, I believe. Right, right. And let's just for the for the listeners' benefit, let's just give them the the uh, the bird's eye view of what actually happened. So basically, what we're saying, what you're talking about, what we talked about last time, was that if you can quench a part fast enough in all areas so that you get below the martensite start temperature, then that actually forms what you could imagine in your mind to be a a die. Uh, shell. It just holds the part in place. Yeah, it's a, it's a hardened, hardened, a hardened shell over the still hot and plastic core of the yes. part. Yes, right. So whatever the geometry is, you've now locked it in. And that and that is in fact the key, right? From what we again yeah. just reviewing yeah. what we talked about last time. The key is you lock the geometry of the part in, regardless of the. You know, regardless of what the shapes are, regardless where you're hidden holes, yep. whether you have, you know, yep. grooves and everything, yep. you lock it in and then you keep, all you have to do is keep that shell at below the martensitic start temperature until the, the core, in a sense, cools, right? Which can be calculated and, and you're done. Yes, that's, that's part of the science behind it, yes. And at the end of the day, the trick is to have the equipment to be able to do that. And the equipment was in 1998. Uh, eight was available to do batch quenching. Uh, and in fact, in 1999, Akron Steel Treating uh, spent a good deal of money to build a 6,000 gallon uh, quench tank that essentially we are, we are still using today at Akron Steel Treating to do intensive water quenching. And just to be clear, also from our last time, you, you, it, always, it isn't always that it has to be an intensive quench. It doesn't have to be instantaneous. Right. Well, it, it also works at the other end of the continuum. If you can build a uniform uh, shell, hardened shell, on a part that is made of high air hardening, high alloy air hardening steels, um, you can actually develop in a gas quench a very uniform 
uh, and very predictable size change in that shell, which then allows you to um, predict how the part's going to move so you can machine it uh, before heat treatment so that it literally morphs into the into the hardened shape that you want. And, for instance, a very thin, complex uh, bearing ring that has a very thin wall that's made out of uh, uh, like a PyroWare 53 material that, that basically will harden up in air. You basically, though, have to make sure, and this is part of a, a Dante Solutions patent that you you did a podcast a few weeks ago on and that gas quenching process essentially creates a shell in the thin section and then stalls out the the temperature and and keeps the temperature up in the gases that are flowing across the part during the quench so that the thick sections can catch up and the thick sections then catch up and once the thin and thick sections have have uh, thermally shrunk a, s- a certain amount. Then you go to the next plateau in temperature cooling, and the gases are, are presented to the part surface that will then bring the thin section down first, then the thick section, and then you continue to do that until you get to the martensite start temperature. And at the martensite start temperature, you then do the same thing. You let the part stabilize at that temperature in the thin and thick sections, and so you now have a shell that's locked in the part. And as the part is cooling down into the core, uh, the thin and thick sections um, of that core are now going to, to start the transformation to martensite um, at about the same time. And that means that you have a very predictable size change from the thermal shrinkage and then the following phase change expansion as the part kicks, the austenite kicks over to martensite. And that, that phase change expansion is the thing that you, you really don't think about, but that's what has to be controlled in order not to blow the shell off. If you go too fast, it, it will crack the part, and it will blow the shell off. And that's what gives water quenching such a bad name, because the core swells up and blows the corner off the part. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah exactly, good. exactly. So uh, you mentioned one other thing before we jump in, because we're going we're gonna to get to an, a specific example today of where this has been successful. There are multiple. Today we're only going to deal with one. But you said one thing that I, I want you to expound on, and that is uh, the, the need for equipment that's able to do what you're talking about. Absolutely. Last time, Absolutely. Last time you said that there are a lot of really good furnace companies out there and that they're yep. furnace companies, but what they really yep. ought to be doing is focusing on becoming quenching companies. Can you expound on that just a, just a bit? Well, they, they, they obviously need to focus on the heating part, and it, and it needs to be uniform, but they've given absolutely no focus to the quenching part and how uniform it is over time and between part to part in a load uh, and how it affects the compressive stresses. The quenching process is more important, in my mind, than the heating process. There you go. And yet, there, there are no there are no specifications on uh, quench zone uniformity. Yeah. You know, we have to run surveys at Akron Steel Treating all the time on our heating zones. But when you open the door on an integral quench furnace and go into a quench tank, how uniform is that quench? We don't know. We hope it's uniform. Yeah. 
You need, we need a TQS, a, 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 a temperature quench survey. <laughs> yes, exactly. It, yeah. or, or a it's really a uniformity survey for the quench cooling rate. Right, a, Q, a QUS, know. quench uniformity survey. How about that? Yeah, we, Doug, we don't need another acronym. People will go crazy. <laughs> okay, fine, fine, fine. All right, so I've listen. I've invented so many acronyms. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. We don't need any more. So let's jump, no. into, the, let's jump into this one example, uh, and I'd like to ask you a few questions about this 18-inch bevel gear that really Integrated Heat Treat Solutions worked on with a company that may remain nameless unless you would like to name them. It's- well, it, they're going to remain nameless for now because I haven't, I haven't really talked to them about this. But all I'll tell you is it's an Ohio company yeah. that makes um, that makes rolls for steel yeah. mills. Yeah. And for years they refurbished and made rolls and shafts for steel mills and bought all their gears uh, from outside. Mm-hmm. And they got they got gears um, from various sources. And some of the gears that they got. Um, over the years were uh, these large roll drives for steel mills mm-hmm. and some of the teeth would fall off and it yep. was very unpredictable. Um, they had the right hardness on the surface. Um, they see, they appeared to be make made out of a high quality 8620 carburizing steel. Okay. Um, but when they cut them apart, um, uh, a very fine metallurgist who right now, um, I tried to call him this morning to get permission to talk to him, but one of our one of our uh, people that we work with uh, a lot at Akron Steel Treating, a gear metallurgist from a big company that uh, is doing uh, consulting now, um, he indicated that when he cut these gears up, the teeth, which were pretty good sized teeth, um, some of them had. Uh, carburization of 60 thousandths effective case depth on the tip, uh-huh. but at the root of the teeth, they only had 15 thousandths effective case depth, uh-huh. which indicates to us that uh, there was an ineffective oil quench after the carburization process. Yeah. Because the, carbur- the carbon is there, but it just didn't quench out to give you the 50 Rockwell effective case depth at the right. root of the teeth. And when we th- thought about it, well, how do you run? bevel gears, you stack them on top of each other in the furnace, you heat them up, you carburize them, and you quench them. Well, when they're stacked on top of each other, the oil cannot circulate and quench effectively and uniformly. The teeth, especially at the root, where right. it, where the hub, the heat from the hub is constantly coming out, and you have a long period of, of basically gas quenching as the, as the oil boils in all of those big teeth at the root. So the first thing we said was, well, if we do them, we're not going to stack them up like that. And the second thing we said was, um, why don't you let us try our water quenching process in our 6,000-gallon tank? Mm-hmm. And, and they said, hey, we got nothing to lose. Here, here's some gears we made. And so we, we did some of their gears, and they were making them on, believe it or not, with no gear-cutting equipment. They were making them on a 5-axis CNC machine. Okay. And then, they, and then they, they cut these gears out. Well, you know, these are not high-quantity gears. These are for steel mills, and you use hundreds per year, not thousands or millions. Right. And, um, and they're, and they're pretty, pretty good buck. Each gear, they got a lot of money in every gear. So they can afford to make it on a five-axis CNC machine. Well, what they did 
was they uh, cut the gear out by measuring a, a gear that had a broken tooth using the metrology that this company also has. And they have some really cool laser-based um, uh, metrology um, for measuring parts. They created a cloud map. That cloud map was then used to program their CNC machine. Mm-hmm. And then they sent us these rough cut gears and we heat treated them and we carburized them for like 20 hours. And I think they left like 60,000 so grind stock on them. And uh, when they got them back, they said, you know, um, these are pretty doggone uniform. Um, do you think we could tighten up and not leave so much grind stock so we could save some money on our grinding? And I said, well, yeah, you know, let's try it. Right. So on the next part, they left less grind stock and, by the sixth load of gears, or by the sixth sample gear, we had it down to the point where the gear literally was cut in the five-axis CNC machine in such a way that the gear teeth came out that they didn't need any grinding. Right. They were straight across the top, and they quenched to fit. And uh-huh. so I asked them, I said, well, how much does that save you per gear? And they estimated about $750 per gear in grinding costs that they were avoiding. Right. And we said, well, that sounds pretty good. And they said, yeah, we think so too. So we've been doing them ever since. We do them in lots of um, 12 at a uh-huh. time uh, on, on racks in our, in our 6,000-gallon uh, or our radiant tube batch furnace. It's an atmosphere furnace across the aisle from our... 6,000 gallon batch quench tank. Right. And um, the other thing that we learned from this experience was that the, um, the distortion was very, very predictable as long as we didn't set the hub on the furnace grate because the furnace grate has two areas where the, the rollers in the, in the um, integral quench furnace ride on the furnace grate and those four inch wide uh, uh, tracks essentially block the quenching water from hitting the bottom of the hub. Gotcha. So in, in those areas, their cloud map, as they measured it after heat treat showed that there was a distinctly different, um, kind of an ovality to the hub on the ones that were quenched on the, on the grate. Now they could grind it out. It wasn't that big of ovality, but it was a non-uniformity that could be avoided by just raising up the, uh, the part on the grid and allowing the water to reconnect after it's coming up from the bottom in the batch uh, quench tank and flowing around the hub of the part. Right. So, and, the, and the second thing that we learned was that um, uh, the parts have higher residual compressive surface stresses on the teeth, and our new gears were actually wearing in the case carburized and oil quenched gears that are, were on the motors, um, driving the steel mill rolls and those case carburized gears are the exact same hardness, but they have, but they don't have as high of compressive residual surface stresses in the case as we develop in the, um, in the, um, our carburizing and intensive water quenching process. And the third, and, and the third thing we learned was that, and uh, we knew this a long time ago, is that we could cut the carburizing cycle time by about 30, 36% uh, versus oil quenching and still get the same effective case depth because 
we don't need to drive in as much carbon into the gradient to develop the 50 Rockwell minimum hardness for the effective case depth. Right. So it's a, it's a win, 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 uh, customers happy, we're happy, uh, and it works. And it demonstrates right. that you can indeed quench very, very intensively. Uh, we're talking about 400 to 600 degrees centigrade per second okay. of quenching. You can set the shell and once that shell is set, the part predictably changes um, to a martensitic case-hardened structure on the, on the outside and a relatively ductile core uh, from the 8620 uh, uh, material. And you get, a, you get a good gear that's very, very consistent, that doesn't right. need to be ground after heat treat. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. So now the material that they initially came in was uh, 8620, correct? And we didn't you didn't yeah. change the material. You just changed correct. the the processing cycle was shortened by about uh you said well you didn't 36%, say how 36%, yeah, about, about 36%. Okay. Okay. And yeah, yeah. and you were able to get the same hardness, but you were able also able to get higher compressive residual surface stresses which yes. which actually made that part made that bevel gear all the more effective. More robust. Yeah. More robust. Yeah. 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 And you save $750 uh, per In gear grinding on cost. grinding cost. Yeah. Very yes. good. And, and just and to this, reiterate, and this is from a, and this is from a company that never made a gear before. <laughs> okay. Well, there you okay. go. Okay. They had a five axis CNC machine and a bunch of smart guys and this new metrology that they have. Right. And, which gives them millions of points of contact or millions right. of points of measurement on that gear. And at the end of the day, um, all I can say is it's pretty amazing because now they can adjust the green size by comparing the post heat treat cloud map mm -hmm. to the pre heat treat cloud map and constantly whittle away at the amount of grinding stock they need um, with each load until they get it to the point where it doesn't need to be ground. So all they do is quench it and fit it. Thus, thus your statement, quench to fit. Yeah, it's quench to fit. Now, we obviously temper after quenching, but that's, that's it. And they do, they, do clean up, they do clean up the hub, and they do clean up the ID of the hub just to make sure everything's square so that the, the gear runs true. But the teeth are not ground in yeah, this application. Yeah, You'd mentioned earlier, Joe, that the the initial gears that came in had sixty thousandths at the at the tip or at the peak at the, the the top of the tooth. Effective case and, step, uh -huh. right? And fifteen thou at the at the in the root. Did you do tests on yours, and how did that how did it turn out? They're super consistent, super consistent. They have the sixty thousandths required case all the way around. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Excellent example. Excellent example. I think that's that's great. And so this is this is just a, one example of what you're talking about, quench to fit. I know that there, yep. you've had other applications where you've done the same thing. So Joe, what part do you want to talk about next time? Next time, I think we'll talk about our cracking pump valve seats that can be made for about $150 and they compete with a $800 centered carbide valve seat. Stay tuned for that. We'll get that one on our next podcast, Joe. So, all right, great. All right. Thanks so much. We hope you enjoyed today's Heat Treat Radio episode. 
In part three of this four-part series with Joe Powell of Integrated Heat Treating Solutions, we'll discuss how quench-to-fit technologies improved a fracking pump valve seat and increased its useful life by over two and a half times. If you'd like to learn more or reach out to Joe, you can go to www.integratedheattreatingsolutions.com or www.akronsteeltreating.com. I'm also happy to receive emails on behalf of Joe. My email address is doug at heattreattoday.com. You know, we're always interested in new topics, so if you have thoughts on what content we should cover for future Heat Treat Radio episodes, please feel free to send me an email with your idea. You can also reach out if you want to be a sponsor of a future episode. My email again is doug at heattreattoday.com. Now be sure to head over to heattreattoday.com to learn about the latest technical content in Heat Treat. Recently, Heat Treat Today ran news on Furnaces North America, that virtual trade show that just completed, as well as Technical Tuesday articles on the, on the expert analysis of the latest CQI9 standard changes. To find these and more, simply type Heat Treat Today into your search engine and we should be the top result that pops up. Imagine heat treating without cracking or distortion. That's what the good people at Integrated Heat Treating Solutions bring to the table. Heat Treat Today would like to thank Integrated Heat Treating Solutions for their financial support of this broadcast. Find out more at www.integratedheattreatingsolutions.com. This and every other episode of Heat Treat Radio is the sole property of Heat Treat Today and may not be reproduced in part or in whole without advance written permission from Heat Treat Today. Our audio producer is Jonathan Lloyd, and he created and mixed most of the music that you heard today. See his professional work at www.jonathanlloydmusic.com. Thank you, Jonathan. Bethany Funk is the superlative editor of these Heat Treat Radio podcasts. Thank you, Bethany. And I'm your host, Doug Glenn. Thank you for listening. <laughs>